Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Thank you, Isaiah, for sharing that story. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about our vision of what nonstop prayer is all about. And to do that, we're going to be continuing our series, uh, the book of Luke. Miracles everyone, everywhere. Everyone say miracles everywhere. everywhere. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22, starting verse 39 um, in just a few minutes. But, you know, last week we talked about the Last Supper. And after that meal, Jesus leaves the upper room and he goes out to do something that he often did. He went out to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And at this point in the story, we are literally right in the middle of the last night before Jesus is about to be arrested. On Friday, he would be crucified. Judas has already left to go and betray Jesus. But there is this precious moment right in the middle of all that when Jesus stops to do something. He stops to pray. He puts prayer right at this critical moment of his life in this hour of need. What does he go and do? He prays. So I've titled today's message, Get Up and Pray. Everyone say, get up. up. Everyone say, and pray. pray. I want to jump to the end of this passage that we're going to be looking at today in Luke 22. I'm going to go all the way to verse 46. It says, why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Are you all ready for this today? Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray. Now, I want, to be on, I want everybody to be honest. An honest moment right now. How many of you have ever been praying and you fell asleep? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. If you're sitting next to someone with their hand raised, I want you to have your elbow ready. Because <laughs> if they're going to fall asleep in prayer, there ain't no problem falling asleep during a sermon. <laughs> right? Here's the deal. Y'all think I can't see you, but I can see you. These lights are bright, but I can see you every once in a while. And this is really, this is a true story. Every once in a while, I'll see, you know, the head bob, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like the sleepy, heavy eyes, but there's a bob going. Every once in a while, my favorite is like the head bow. And then there's like a smelling small moment and like, bam, you know what I'm talking about? That's my favorite. But sometimes y'all trick me. I'll think, Man, they're agreeing with me. Look at them nodding their head. And then I'll realize, nope, that's a head bob, not a nod. (laughs) So I know, I know, I know what's going on out there. All right. So Jesus says, stop sleeping, get up and pray. I wonder if there's anyone in here who would resonate with this idea that we, we sometimes sleepwalk through life. I want, I want you to think about that in a spiritual context today, your spiritual life Are you sleepwalking through the spiritual concerns of your life? Going through the motions, so to speak, right? Doing the normal procedures, but little purpose and little passion behind the things you do. You know that we can can do things in life without being things. You all know that, right? Meaning we can do faith without without being faithful. And that's, that's, really, that's really a difficult thing. So many of us, I think, we have to be honest and we have to say we are essentially sleepwalking on Jesus. 
You know, Jesus is in the garden. He's praying. It's the hour of the cross is about to come upon him. The disciples fall asleep. And he wants, they're not fully awake yet. You know what I'm saying? But they are about to be awakened. And this is, this is something I think for us today that I hope really stirs deeply in us. So here's what I want to do. I want to do something where I can, we're going to look at that passage in Luke 22 in a moment, but I need to, I need to pause and I need to um, really go and talk about some vision that we have because we're starting what we call nonstop prayer. We've called it 27, uh, 24-7 prayer before. And I just want to talk a little bit about this because four years ago, we dedicated a room in our church to, to being a prayer room after a lot of discussion, after a lot of prayer and study, we felt the Lord led us in a very specific way for us to really be intentional about becoming a house of prayer. And I know that that sounds obvious. Every church should be a house of prayer, but we wanted to really be intentional because it is so easy to be a house of prayer in word and not deed. And so we wanted to be, how do we do this in real life prayer, right? We desire to be a church that prays, a church that contends, in prayer for God to move, not only in our lives, but in our city. We want you to be a person that knows how to pray and wants to pray because so many of us pray in ways that are dry and at times they feel empty and we aren't even sure how to get back on track or how to find intimacy with the Father. And so we wanna be a church that teaches our people, that pastors our people, that shepherds all of us, including me, into people who know how to pray to the Father because that's something that we all have to do. At, as a church, we believe that prayer is the meeting place that God has given us, right? Prayer is the pathway to God's presence and the doorway to his power. And I wanna explain that because I want you to think about that statement. It is the pathway to God's presence. It's how we get there. And it's the doorway to his power. We have to go through prayer to experience God's power. So it is the pathway and the door and the doorway. So as a church, we are having a time of nonstop prayer through the entire Holy Week. And what that means is if you are so moved, we are inviting you to commit to a time slot of one hour of prayer during the Holy Week. Some of you will probably choose more than one hour, and we probably need you to do that. And, I, and, and here's the thing. You can come by yourself. You can come with another person. You can come with a small group. You can come with a family. But I want you to imagine the power of someone in our church praying nonstop for the entire Holy Week that we set apart as holy unto the Lord. That's a beautiful picture. Would you agree? Yeah. Now I want to pause because I know I just kind of dropped really a pretty big vision on us that for some of you is not a new vision, but for a lot of us it is. Um, some of you are new here in the last couple of years, and so it's not a complicated vision oh, someone praying nonstop for a week, that's pretty simple enough. But I believe that the vision is broader and bigger and more specific for us, and I do want all of us to catch it, so I just wanted to take a moment to talk. You know, we want to pray, yeah, 24 hours a day for a week and day and night, and, but we want it to be more than just prayer that is sort of individually focused. We want it to be prayer about community and about a church and about a city and about the bigger things that God has called us to. It's a type of prayer that is desperate for God to move even if your life is not desperate yet. You know, here's the thing. Have you ever prayed for things that you know you should be and could be, but you're not yet? We may not be desperate yet, but we can pray our way there. 
It's through prayer that we become hungry and thirsty. We don't become hungry and thirsty and then pray. We have to pray. We have to pray just in a, in a way that says, God, I need prayer to get me where I need to go and where I want to go. So how many of you would say, you know what, I live a pretty content life, but how many of you also know that it's the holy discontent that actually disrupt and change the world? We need a holy discontent to rise up in us, and that only happens through a commitment and a heart for prayer. I love, I love one of my favorite passages comes out of Isaiah 62. It says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. Everyone say, never be silent. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Don't give yourself any rest and give him no rest. Don't give God any rest either until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of all the earth. I love this picture of watchmen posted on a wall, someone day and night calling on the Lord. That's what nonstop prayer is. It's taking a short period for us, a short period of time. One week is this picture that we have this year in which we are saying we are going to post watchmen on our walls and we are not going to give ourselves any rest and we're not going to be silent day or night. We as a community and as a church, we're going to call upon the name of the Lord for his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven right here in this place. That's what it's for. Nonstop prayer is always a step of faith for us. You know why? Because we never know if every hour is going to be filled. <laughs> In some ways, it doesn't matter, but in some ways, man, man you, want it, you want every hour filled. And in the times we've done this over the past four years, it's not only about that. It's about, will we feel the power of God? Will this make any impact? Will we see an immediate impact? Why are we doing this? There's so many things. And we cast this vision four years ago. Church, you know, was probably half our size then. We did it for 14 days, and we filled every hour because there was something that was caught in our church and it's changed our church every since. We did it the next year for three weeks and for 21 days and we filled every hour. And this week we're doing it for one week, guys. <laughs> Why? Because I believe something this year has to be reclaimed. Something has to be reclaimed. The last, two, the last four years, a lot has changed, hasn't it? People do church differently. People do commitment differently. People do their time differently. And I believe this is the year in which and on top of all that, by the way, we have a lot of newer people in our church body. And so I believe this is not only a year of renewing and reclaiming a vision, but it's a year of stepping, not looking to the past to reclaim anything of the past, but stepping into the future to see what God has for us moving from this point forward. And so I feel, I feel, I feel, desperate, I feel desperate about this. I feel deeply about this, that there is something that God wants to do in this church, in this season we're in right now. And it's going to cause all of us to pay attention to what God wants to say to us, but it's going to require that we get up and pray. Yeah. It's going to require that we get up and pray. Now, there's no question that we all have things personally that we need to pray for, but there's a few united prayers that I want to throw out there that we are praying as a church body. These are united revival prayers. We want to see revival come into the city. And so a few things that we pray for, I'll just throw them on the screen. The first one is we pray for more spirit. So I'm inviting you to join us in prayer for this. You can, and, and I'll talk about how to in a minute, but more spirit. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon this church like a consuming fire. If you've ever read Acts 2, you get that picture, like a consuming fire that will transform us and change us. We want to pray that the Lord would bring more salvations, not only in this church, but in our city, that people would come to know Christ. There'd be a revival and a renewal of God's spirit 
throughout the city. We want to pray for more healings. And when I say healings, I don't mean just physical healings. I mean emotional, spiritual, all sorts of mental healing. We want to pray that this isn't not only a house of prayer, but it's a house of healing. God, bring your healing power into this place. And then we want to pray more breakthrough. And when I say breakthrough, that's a, that, that's a wide category. But God, we need your power to break through walls of sin and addiction and, and fear and anxiety that is going like rampant in this world. We need breakthrough in the name of Jesus. So you can pray these things for yourself. You can pray these things in a united way as, our, as a church, right? We are asking big things because we have a big God. How many of you know that God typically doesn't answer prayers that aren't prayed? <laughs> and often we don't pray what we wish for, but we wish that God would give us what we wish for. He wants us to pray for what we want, not wish for what we want. We don't pray long enough or hard enough. We pray weak, vague prayers, hoping God will break through and provide way more than we ever asked for. And God will give us what we wish for. But once again, God doesn't answer prayers that are not, that are not earnestly prayed for. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. So I, I think a lot of you might have some practical questions. Well, how does this work? How do I participate? Maybe you're thinking, uh, this is really great for the person down the row. Let me, let me talk to you about that, all right? A few key questions. We'll throw them on the screen. So when will this happen? I've already mentioned this, but it'll start at 8 p.m., on the night of Palm Sunday, April 10th, and it'll go through the end of April 16th, that Saturday, all the way up to 12 a.m. Secondly, how do you sign up? Starting today, out in the lobby, there is, a, there is a big banner on the wall with a bunch of lines on it. You put your name on it, you put your family's name on it, you choose a time, and you say, I'm gonna come and pray. And on Sundays, it's sign up in person only. The online sign up is closed. Monday through Saturday, you sign up online. So if you don't sign up today, you can get on the website tomorrow or on the app tomorrow and you can sign up on there. Same thing, but you just can't sign up online on Sundays. Y'all got that, right? All right. And then the next question is, do I have to pray in the prayer room? Can't you pray anywhere? Well, for two years, we've had to de-emphasize the importance of praying here in our prayer room for obvious reasons. And the truth is you can pray anywhere, no problem. But during these nonstop prayer seasons, we really do recommend and we ask that you come and pray in the prayer room. We really want you to do that because at all hours of the night, and obviously if you have a legitimate health reason or if you're out of town but you want to participate, you can pray at home or you can pray anywhere. But if you're here and you're able, we're telling you there is power and a movement of people coming together to disrupt our life in a way in which we have to go out of the way to pray. There's something about getting out, going out of your way to pray, right? And when all of those prayers are happening in one place, I'm telling you, there's something that happens in, in our church, right? It becomes a resting place of God's presence because prayer is the pathway to God's presence. And if there's a lot of prayer happening, there's a lot of God's presence in the room. And so we're inviting you to just help permeate that room in prayer. So we're asking you to come here, right? We need to reclaim that vision. Is it all hours of the night? Do I have to answer that? Yes, of course it is. It's 24-7, day and night. If you're thinking, who in their right mind is coming up here at 3 a.m.? Probably some of you in this room, I would assume, but I would say, we'll just say this. When we were originally moved by the vision of 24-7 prayer, Christy and I were reading a book called uh, Red Moon Rising by Pete Gregg, and, and he said that there are all sorts of stories about how, 20, about how 12 to 4 a.m., uh, hours were the most powerful. And as you stand post and pray during that time, 
you start to see some of the most powerful things occurring. In other words, these are the most cherished hours, 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. And I think many would attest it. I remember when Greg Reich, who, who runs sound back there, he said this a few years ago. He said, uh, I want it to hurt. <laughs> and I was like, yes. He's like, I want my commitment. I want to feel it. And I, what is, is there something about that that I really love? Like feeling the commitment there's purpose and significance in what you're doing. And so, yeah, I get up in the middle of the night because I want to feel this commitment. And so for some of us, that's what we're going to get to do, and it's going to be good. So what about overnight security? Because some of you will be like, it's kind of scary on 23rd. No, I, I get it. We're going to have overnight security, of course. There's going to be someone here between 10 p.m. and about 5 a.m., so don't worry about it. We got your back. All right? What if this sounds crazy to me? Don't worry. It sounds crazy to me, too. Here's the deal. But it's the crazies and the passionate and the willing that God moves most powerfully through. Are you all with me, right? How do I pray for an hour? I think that it's probably intimidating for a lot of us to think about, I'm gonna sit somewhere and pray for an hour and I'm gonna go to a prayer room and this is weird. I've never been that spiritual in my life. I get it. It's time Phil, for you to get up and pray. Here's what I would say is we put together resources that help you pray for now. We call it our prayer wheel. There's a lot of resources in the prayer room that you get to pray in creative ways. And here's what I really want you to know is that there's no experts in the room. We're all just beginners when it comes to prayer. And so if you're sitting here thinking, ah, somebody else knows how to pray. I don't know how to pray. It's not about how to, it's about want to. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Catch this. It's all about want to versus how to. If you want to do it, that's the key. Over time, you'll learn more about how to but we do have things that will help you learn how to. But if you want to, it's time to step in. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be an expert prayer because listen, every time I go into that prayer room, I'm a little bit lost at what to do because I'm a beginner just like you. We're all beginners. So I'm super pumped about this. Remember, this is on Palm Sunday, right? This, uh, that we, it all kicks off. And like I said earlier, like, you know, having a second worship gathering on that, that particular day for a lot of us is like, I don't know, 2022 culture thinks that's a little too much church. Let me just remind you that a lot of you grew up going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you went to Tuesday night visitation. We need more church in our life. We need more church in our life. All right. So we're having a special worship gathering that night. Don't let that you're tired or that you got things to do that you normally don't do that on Sunday night. Stop you. Let's fill the room. All right. All right. All right. So it's time to get up and pray. And again, it's not for the person down the row or across the room. It's for you. It's for all of us. It's for you watching online. It's for you listening to a podcast later in the week. We can all pray prayers for everyone. It's inclusive. It doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. God says, all who are weary, come to me. Right? All right. I've used this before, again, Pete Gregg quote, but it's so good. Go ahead and put that on the screen. We don't pray because we're into prayer. We pray because we're into Jesus. That's why we're doing this. It's not like, oh, we want to be really good at praying. No, we actually just really want to spend time with Jesus. All right, I want to get into this story in Luke, 2, or Luke 22 because it really is so good and powerful. And it's about Jesus Jesus comes and prays in the most critical moment. Luke 22, verse 39. Y'all with me? Here we go. Jesus went out as usual. Per usual, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. So they finish the Passover meal. Jesus has just declared himself as the new Passover land. He had just established a new covenant, giving them the symbols of the bread and the wine to establish a new day 
Jesus knows that now is the time, so he leaves, and it says that they go and do something that they usually do. Let's go over to the garden on the Mount of Olives, it says. Now, in the book of Matthew, we learn that this is the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And it's likely a private garden that someone that they know owns, and that person has allowed them to come and to pray in this garden, to rest, to withdraw from people who might be trying to find them. So they're hiding, if you will. Uh, And I love, if you really think about it, I love that there's so many unnamed people in this short week. There's the unnamed person who helps Jesus, who gives them the donkey, if you remember that on Palm Sunday. There's the unnamed person who leads them and allows them to have the upper room. There's the unnamed person right here who lets them use their garden. I love, sometimes we got to remember that it's okay to be the unnamed person in the story of God, all right? All right, and so I'm just saying I love that part of the story, but here you, you see, here's what they go and they usually do. So who knows what they usually do? A guy named Judas knows what they usually do. So Jesus doesn't hide from the fact that now is the hour, the hour is upon him. He's going and do what they normally do. They're going to pray, but he also knows that Judas knows exactly where they are. Verse 40, on, the, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Why would Jesus say that to him? Pray that you don't fall into temptation. It sounds kind of like a weird time to do that. Well, temptation in this verse, the word for temptation is a word called parismon. Everyone say parismon. Parismon means to succumb to evil. He's like, listen, I don't want you to succumb to evil right now. In this hour, you're going to have to pray because evil is coming after us, and I need you to stand watch and pray. This is what he says to them. You're going to need God's strength. Verse 41. He withdrew, Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. However far that is. Depends on who's throwing the stone, right? (laughs) He knelt down and prayed. That's a powerful verse. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, it says, and an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I said, whoa, what? And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know that we cannot understand, we cannot comprehend the agony that Jesus was going through in this moment. We really can't. We should be awestruck and mystified and stunned at the battle with temptation that Jesus was facing in this moment. Because you have to remember something. Satan did not kill Jesus on the cross. God did. God did. God chose to sacrifice his son. Jesus is God's Passover lamb. And he is the predetermined substitute for our sin. The only way God could rectify the sin problem was by Jesus dying for our sin. There's actually little known about what happens when Jesus goes a stone's throw away, what happens in that moment of prayer when he's by himself, but it is understood that there was a temptation of Satan that came upon him. Similar to how when Jesus' ministry started, he went into the desert and there was the temptation of Satan upon him. In this hour, there was a temptation that came to him because guess what? Satan didn't want him to go to the cross. He didn't want him to die. 
He wanted him to reject God's purpose, reject God's plan. He wanted Jesus to run and hide. He wanted Jesus to reject that he was the son of God. He wanted Jesus to go to jail, not to the cross. That's what he wanted. So Jesus is being tempted to walk away from this, from this moment. And Jesus, though, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Of course, it says that the, the temptation was so great. If you ever wonder why it was an angel, can you imagine? God's like, I need to help my son in this moment. Angel, go and give him strength right now. He needs it. Hebrews 5, 7, it says that Jesus offered up fervent prayers and cries to God. This moment is everything. We can't fathom the, the temptation and the strength that Jesus needed. It was so great that God sent this angel, right? Again, disciples are just a stone's throw away. Jesus returns to them in verse 45, and it says this, when he, he rose from prayer, so the, the temptation was complete, he rose up, he was determined, he, was, he had set his course on the cross, and he went back to his disciples, and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow, which I, I think I understand that. And he says, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray. Everyone say, get up and pray. So that you will not fall into temptation. He repeats the same instruction that he said earlier. And what's stunning about this is that in the middle of all the agony that Jesus is facing, he's concerned with his disciples. Sometimes we've read that or we've heard it explained like Jesus is scolding them. Like, what are you doing sleeping, you bums? Get up and start praying. But no, Jesus is like concerned for the disciples that, listen, temptation is at your doorstep. You need to be praying right now. So I'm going to wake you up. Hey, fellas, get up. You need to start praying because right now the hour is upon you. You can be, you can be tempted by the enemy. I need you to be strong right now. So Jesus, in the middle of all this anguish, guess who he's concerned about? His disciples. He's concerned about his followers, and Jesus is always the teacher. He's always compassionate. He always cares for you and me, no matter what's going on. And that, my friend, is why it's called good news. The good news just keeps rolling with Jesus, never stops coming. Even when we try and interpret it as a scold, it's actually really for our good. So he's like, you got to pray. There's so much to say about Jesus from this passage. We must consider, do we anguish in prayer? Do you ever anguish in prayer? Do we find strength in prayer? Do we try and overcome temptation in prayer? When we are tempted, do we just immediately say, Lord, I need to pray? Do we go to prayer in the most important moments of our life? Jesus is demonstrating the importance of prayer right here in this moment. He's minutes away from being arrested and he chooses to pray. Think about all the other things Jesus could be doing. He could be strategizing with the disciples, like, listen, it's about to happen. Let's talk about this. He could have been, he could have been you know, taking care of matters with his family, talking to his mom, his brothers. He could have been you know, enjoying dessert after supper. I don't know. He could have been doing a lot. He could have been sleeping, yet he's praying, right? He's praying. Now, I'm sure we are all aware, and it's kind of a mute point to even bring up, that the state of our world is in desperate need of prayer. The church right now in our world needs prayer. You and I need prayer. The world needs prayer. Technically, it needs God, but if it needs God, it needs prayer. 
this is a critical moment, at least for most of us in our life, this is a critical moment for prayer. And the church needs to get up and pray. We need the unifying and tenderizing power of prayer. We need prayer to soften our hearts. One of the things that breaks the heart of Jesus is the hardened hearts of people. It says in Mark 3, 5, he talks about how Jesus grieved over Israel's hardened hearts and their stubbornness towards the work of God. This week, that was the thought that the Holy Spirit just kind of put in my heart, was that we need to encourage that prayer has a softening impact on who we are as people. When we pray, it writes our heart. When we pray, it aligns our spirit. When we pray, it softens us as people and enables us to receive from God. Because how many of you know that by and large, we are not soft right now. We are not tender. We are not gentle. In today's culture, in many ways, we are hardened, we are jaded, we are dismissive, we are suspicious, and we are critical. And to be honest, in some of that, it makes sense that we're all those things, doesn't it? The world we're living in right now, why would you not be jaded? Why would you not be protective? Why would you not say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm done, I'm done with this. I'm just going to do my thing, and you do your thing. I don't need you in my I mean, that is the attitude today, right? There is a hardened heart problem going on in our culture. By and large, we are not soft. We live in a world where we watch in horror as Russia invades war in the Ukraine, invades the Ukraine and continues to do war. And the loss of life and the loss of freedom, it's of no concern. And of course, events like that, what, they, what do they do? They harden us because it divides us, it causes us to fear, and fear is pouring into this world at such a rate that it's causing greater insulation, and ultimately a shell of protection is pouring over all of us where we are hardened to everything around us because we need to protect our things, protect ourselves from everything around us. Most of us live in fear of being rejected, wrongly judged, or canceled, right? don't we? We live in a cancel culture, and we're protecting ourselves from that fear. We, and as a result, there is a growing expectation in our world to get tough. You either need to withdraw and just avoid it all, or you need to get tough. You need thick skin, have an attitude to fight for your right, dismiss people who don't agree with you. We live in a culture, are you all with me today? We live in a culture that contradicts tolerance, its own tolerance stance at every turn. It has a, a stance of tolerance, yet until you disagree, with someone in their cause, or they step on your toes, then you have a right to not only dismiss, but to crush them in their differences. Isn't that what happened at the Oscars the other night? When people make you mad, you just need to get tough. We are becoming clouded by the illusion that protection and being tough is the best course of action. We live in a world that believes it's better to be suspicious and to be protective and to be angry. It's better to cancel people than to comfort or to counsel or to collaborate. We think we've become a hardened people, yet Jesus is the exact opposite. He is gentle and meek. He is generous and vulnerable, and he is humble in heart. And the disciples saw something in Jesus that they wanted. 
How many of you know it begins with the want to, not the how to? I think I said that already, right? Y'all with me? Y'all remember what I said 10 minutes ago? Nobody's bobbing their heads, right? I only want nods today, no bobs today. They saw something they wanted. Luke 11, verse 1. The disciples asked Jesus the most basic question. Lord, teach us to pray. There's not a verse that says, Lord, teach us to preach. There's not a verse that says, Lord, teach us to heal. There's not a verse that says, Lord, teach us to fight for your name. But there's this verse, Lord, teach us to pray. They had seen Jesus demonstrate a reliance on prayer. He had prioritized prayer. It had become his connection point with this heavenly father, enabling him to stay true to his purpose. Prayer kept Jesus softened to the things of God. Nothing tenderizes the church like prayer. Nothing softens our heart like prayer. We need the spirit of God to penetrate our flesh and our hardened hearts and to soften us from the inside out. Because when we pray, it does soften us as a people. And when we pray, it unifies us as a people. And when we pray, we discover more of the spirit and, we, and it releases God's power. Prayer, prayer is the pathway to his presence and the doorway to his power. Just, you know, three weeks ago, we, a few of us were praying down here over someone who was experiencing pain in the shoulder and their arm. And, you know, we simply started praying for them. And while we were praying for them, the pain left their body. And we didn't do anything. You know what we did? We simply plugged into the power source. We invited the Holy Spirit to come and we prayed in Jesus' name. We didn't do nothing. Jesus did it all because we plugged in to the only power that can do anything. Now, I've also been praying with people who've prayed for a long time and they've not yet, see their, they've not yet seen their healing. I've prayed for things for a number of years and I've yet to see some of those things come to pass. Yet, even in the quote, unanswered prayers, God transforms us. I am transformed through prayer no matter what God says or does as a result of those prayers because guess what? When I do that, I'm plugged in to the power source. Something happened in my heart, softening me as a person, reordering who I need to be that day. God's speaking to me things that I wasn't expecting, but that only enter in when I get into his presence and I start thinking about things that he wants me to think about instead of the things that I am consumed by. Today, I'm casting vision for nonstop prayer, but this is way bigger than nonstop prayer. This is way bigger than a week. This is about getting into the ways of Jesus. Jesus taught his disciples and he's teaching us that we need to get up and pray, that we need to be people of prayer. Jesus was never too busy to pray. And how many know that Jesus was busy? Jesus was never too busy to pray, but how many of us are too busy to pray? Do you know what busyness does? It hardens us as a person because we become protective of our time. But prayer softens us as a person and it gives us more freedom with our time. I believe the saying goes, we are too busy not to pray. 
You know, I wrote this sermon while I was sitting in the prayer room this week. Kind of a good idea. Go to the prayer room. I was there. Aren't I a good leader? (laughs) Practice what you preach. (laughs) As I was sitting there, there's a lot of ways to connect with with the Lord through the prayer room that we have in there. One of the ways is you saw probably in Isaiah's video, but people write on the walls different prayers and different scriptures. And and I saw one that I just snapped a picture of and throw it up there on the screen. And, um, And it says this. It says, God, I'm not holding back from you. With all my heart, I'm yours. And I read that and I just, I just started reading it over and over again. God, I'm not, I don't know who wrote this. If that's you, uh, we'll just chalk it up to Jesus. Jesus led you to that. But God, I'm not holding back from you. With all my heart, I'm yours. God, I'm not holding back from you. With all my heart, I'm yours. I love this because how many of you know that you are not your own? You were bought with the price. We are not our own, Lord. So I'm holding nothing back. I'm all yours. I'm all in. I'm not holding nothing back, Lord. I want to be yours for your kingdom's sake, for your purpose. I don't need any credit. I want to give you all the glory. I'm all yours, God. See, that's why we get up and pray. Because every once in a while we have these moments that I am not my own, that Jesus gave it all for me. Well, I want to pray together today, and I want to, we're going to worship a little bit more today. But in order to pray, we need to get up. <laughs> so I'm going to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand as we pray today. Just go ahead and bow your heads. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Move. And only the way that you can move. Father, we open our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and be with us. God, we don't want to hold anything back from you. With all my heart, Lord, I'm yours, Father. I want to ask you today, I mean, can you you say that authentically? Can you say, God, I don't want to hold anything back. I'm all yours. No matter where you are, if you're at a place of yes or maybe or I don't know, it's okay. I just want to give you that question because that, that's where God wants to lead you. We don't want to hold anything back, Lord, with all our heart. God, we give you this church. We give you things like the vision of nonstop prayer, Lord. We want to do this for you. It's not for ourselves. It's not so we can feel good about ourselves. It's not so we can be, feel, feel spiritual. Lord, it is for you that we do this. We want, to, we want to be desperate. We want to be hungry. And we know that it's through prayer that we get there. Soften our heart, God. Let me just ask you right now. Do you need to soften your heart? Do you need to soften your heart? Do you need to... Do you need to wake up to the spiritual things in your life? Quit going through the motions. Quit trying to just operate the procedures of faith, but you need to actually initiate a heart of passion. You need to wake up, so to speak. Do you need to soften your heart? Do you need to wake up to the things that Jesus wants to do in your life? Perhaps for you, it just resonate with this. It's time to get up and pray. In a moment, we're going to worship, and as we worship, this altar's open. Our prayer team is here. They love to pray with you. 
So let me just ask a few questions that might prompt prayer. Heads bowed, do you need, do you need healing today? Well, come and pray. Do you, need, do you need to surrender to Jesus today? Well, come and pray. Talk to someone. Do you need to get right with God? Do you need to repent of something in your life? Do you have a need in your life that feels overwhelming? Do you have anxiety and fear that you just want to give to the Lord today? Today, come and pray. Maybe it's today, right now. You don't have to wait for nonstop prayer, but you're going to start today. You're going to get up and pray. Lord, we give you this time. We thank you for the example of Jesus that shows us that right in the most important moments of our life is exactly when we pray. We pray these things in your name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.